Ad Speaks Houston, the Addy award-winning podcast giving you the inside scoop on Houston advertising and marketing created and produced by Radio Lounge for the American Advertising Federation Houston chapter at aaf-houston.net. Hope you're a big fan of the podcast and of the Ad Federation. I know these guys are. I'm going to introduce a couple of guys. Uh, they call themselves the old dogs, but quite frankly, uh, young at heart is what I would say about Jim Conlon, uh, known as a child for his extremely loud voice. Uh, if you had to be known for something, that would be it. Uh, Jim has uh, howled at many moons, it says here. He has a degree in painting from Sherwin-Williams. He was in the Peace Corps. Uh, he was uh, a national director of uh, Beyond the War Foundation, director of the Carl Young Educational Center. He plays an upright bass. I mean, that's just a cool factor, okay? And uh, Jim, you, you can call Jim uh, the voice of God or the guy next door. Whatever you want, he'll turn that voice on for you. But three out of four listeners, according to the podcast uh, survey, say uh, prefer Jim's voice to Paul's voice. And Paul, I know that doesn't make you feel good about that, but I don't think you really care. Uh, that's a good thing as well. You're yeah, also you're right. I, I don't. I don't care. We have other ways to compete, Jim and I. Yeah, and and uh, we we should get into that too. You are a native Michiganian. I didn't know they called people from Michigan Michiganians, but now I know that I'm an Ohioan. Okay, from Cleveland. Uh, that is uh, that is Jim or James Conlon. Paul Manzel has always known that he was destined for a life in comedy. Uh, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, in uh, Minneapolis, you see the connection, Minneapolis, Michigan. He was a part of a troupe called the Dudley Riggs Brave New Workshop in Minneapolis. And he was also uh, featured in uh, a weekly satirical pieces for All Things Considered on NPR. That's really, really cool. In 77, Paul moved to Houston. And Paul, it's the same time I moved to Houston the first time. And then I left. Uh, in addition to running the comedy workshop, he was busy as an actor in commercials, industrial films, and a couple of dozen forgettable movies. Uh, that's okay, though. At the beginning of 1990, Paul closed the uh, comedy workshop uh, down, and he said he said he didn't like being the only adult on the playground. <laughs> I think that's pretty funny. Um, so and I would imagine that uh, smacks a lot of uh, what the comedy workshop was all about. But I don't think we can introduce you guys without introducing uh, somebody that we know and love dearly as well, our dear friend Bill West, who was a part of uh, Radio Works for so many years, uh, an attorney in Southern California. He decided he didn't want to be an attorney. That was a good career move. And he got into advertising instead. <laughs> That's like he was thinking about car sales or advertising from being an attorney, and he chose advertising, and it worked out well. Uh, the Radio Works is uh, going back to 1987 uh, with Jim and Bill. And uh, uh, they did so many, so many, so many good things uh, for advertising, such a basically raised the bar in the Houston market uh, for uh, for advertising by thinking globally rather than locally. And they took those global ideas that the creative to a, a next level and brought them home to many, many different markets across the country and uh, won a lot of Addy Awards along the way. I can't say Addy Awards anymore, by the way, Jim. We're supposed to say the American Advertising Federation. Of course, you can win an Addy. But, uh, so now these, these guys call themselves the old dogs. And uh, most people these days, they do a podcast. It's, uh, the, the most recent one is episode 67, Clothing, Who Needs It? I love that title. Uh, most people do a podcast with hopes of cashing in on a listen to 
uh, two podcasts with tons of advertising revenue. But tell me if I'm wrong, guys. That's not why you guys do this, right? Why do you do the podcast now? You seem to have a lot of fun, by the way. You oh, get no, a chance no. to talk we're, now, we're and I'll shut it. up. We're in it for the money. Yeah, the large bills. Uh-huh. Yeah, big bucks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. They just haven't materialized is the problem. Right, right. It's uh, We have decided to target an audience of people that generally don't listen to podcasts, um, but that hasn't stopped us. <laughs> because we listen. <laughs> see. Do, do, no, wait. Do, do you guys really listen to podcasts beyond beyond obviously listening to your own podcast? And, and I'm curious, if you do, and you do, what podcast do you guys listen to? Uh, I have to confess, I don't listen to any podcast regularly, but I do uh, sample podcasts that uh, have some large numbers and seem to be attracting an audience. But um, uh, it, it takes a lot of time to listen to <laughs> podcasts. I mean, you uh, you have to uh, enjoy being passive for hours on end. I enjoy the ones about uh, that feature makeup tips. Uh, those are my favorites. Uh, listen to a lot of those. But you you never improve your appearance. Well, I don't know. actually follow the tips. Oh, but, I see. You know, I just I like see. to okay. listen. <laughs> so you you listen to a DIY podcast on makeup? Makeup tips. mostly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's re- you know it's it's really funny when you think about that. You guys are targeting an audience with with incredible uh, humor. Um, you know, talking about so many different things here and, and so many great people in the Houston market. Um, but you're right about that. I mean, a lot of folks our age, our age, uh, really do not listen. You guys need to be in the crime podcast category because that seems to be that seems to be the big one there. Really, and, and being here in Houston, we we seem we probably have a lot of material to work with. I Absolutely, think. if you just focus on Houston murders, you you've got a series. Yeah, but I'd prefer to focus on old old guy murders. You know, I mean, you'd have to be at least seventy to qualify as a legitimate murderer in my world. Or old okay, guy. Well, that would. Yeah. So that would be. So you get Durst on the on the podcast Durst, as a guest, and you he's got it nailed. Top exactly. of our list. He's yeah. available. Uh, he's at the top of a lot of people's list, folks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Minneapolis and Michigan. You get the uh, you get the connection there. A couple of guys from the frozen north. Mm. What'd you guys forget your uh, AAA trip tick on the way down to get lost <laughs> down to Miami, or what happened? How how the heck did two guys from Michigan and Minneapolis end up in? Uh, in Houston and and why Houston? I mean, of all places, it isn't even on the way to Miami. Okay, really, really, uh, it makes no sense except that I had no choice in the matter. I was working for a little agency called J. Walter Thompson in Detroit. Yeah, and uh, J. Walter Thompson had a piece of business that was uh, headquartered in Houston. It was called Marathon Manufacturing. And they also had a little sales office in Houston to run the Ford Dealer Association in Texas. All right, Mm -hmm. if you can follow that, then you can see how we thought that maybe having that office in Houston could kind of launch us into a major influence in the state of Texas. And the, the first piece of business was Marathon Manufacturing. And the uh, chief business with Marathon is that they owned Bally Blinds, and I have no idea why, but that was a consumer account. So they sent me to Houston in 1985. Do you remember 1985, Ray? 
I very much do. I was in Miami at the time. And okay. It was a wonderful time to be there. Yes. Well, it was a terrible time to be in Houston. <laughs> that's why. That's why I left. You I, were in I Miami. went from. I went from. I went from in '79. I headed up to Detroit, and uh, was there for about two and a half years, and then spent close to seven years uh, in Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. And that was during the bust, basically. Yep, the and bust. I apparently it was a good time to leave. Right. Well, it was a bad time to come. And, uh, I was sort of stuck here. Uh, but I had yeah. no, no intention of uh, settling in Houston, but here I am after 36 yeah. years, uh, still here. And, uh, yeah. it's been, uh, very fortuitous uh, to be here. Uh, my what story, about you, Paul? my story is simpler. <laughs> I just wanted to thaw out. After having <laughs> spent 30 years in Minnesota freezing. He's still a little stiff, I have to say. <laughs> uh, if you remember, Ben, you moved here in 77. At that time, Houston was the golden buckle on the Sun Belt. Yep. It was the city of opportunity. Little did I realize the opportunity were only for offshore workers and flipping strip centers. But <laughs> if you were into <laughs> any of those industries... Um, but anyway, that, that's why I came here and I came here to start my comedy club. Wow. Wow. Um, and obviously that was a very successful, uh, uh, run with the comedy club. You had, you had so many different people who you exposed, uh, to comedy and they exposed themselves sometimes too. No, um, uh, you had, let me find your, I, I've got a list of, of uh, cast members from, from there. And it's really an incredible list, notable people, uh, Brett Butler. Sam Kennison, uh, who was big uh, back in the Kayla Well days, they they used him on the radio a lot here. Thea Vidal, Janine Garofalo, Bill Hicks. What was that? There was a Ron somebody. Was did he? Um, I'm trying. I can't remember Ron's last name. The Ron Chuck, possibly. Um, maybe, maybe there was a guy who went on and, and was very famous. He was the guy who smoked cigars and drank scotch on on the on the thing. Uh, when he does his routines, kind of a oh, well, the, I, I can't think of like. our club, but but I'll take credit for anybody that's become famous. You might be thinking of Ronald Coleman, could be. I or think he's Ronald very, McDonald. Ronald McDonald was, was good. You yeah, know, once he takes the shoes off and the nose, he's a very funny fellow. You know, it's funny you say that because one day in my neighborhood, I see Ronald McDonald getting out of his house and going into his car dressed in full regalia. Oh and I told my then young, uh, young uh, daughter, I said, look, that's where Ronald McDonald lives. And she believed me. Uh, <laughs> but the guy, uh, the guy was there anyway. You were trying but, to think of Ron White, by the way. Ron White. Yes. Thank you very much. That's yep. who it was. And, and, and did, did Ron appear at your club as well? Uh, no, he did not. He got his start in Dallas, as I recall. Oh. Um, but, uh, uh, no, we were, we were pretty much homegrown. People moved here to work out in the club. Mm -hmm. Well, we didn't really bring people in. You know, the thing that I noted mostly about you, you, Paul, and your club is the fact that you gave people an opportunity to try out their funny. And that to me is a, is a big deal. There's always a catch-22 in our business, in the advertising, the creative, the voiceover business. you got to be somebody before you can be somebody. Because if you don't have a reel, if you don't have creds, you're nobody. And you got to start somewhere. And what you did, it seems to me, is you gave a lot of people uh, the opportunity uh, to do that. Would that be a, a good statement to say? Yeah, that's fair enough. And uh, 
it's a non-threatening atmosphere. Let's say if you were trying to work out in Los Angeles or even New York, you're exposed to decision makers every night, and there's a lot of pressure on you to be perfect. Use your best material. Whereas uh, our club really gave people a chance to explore what was unique about their personality, their act. Um, Mm -hmm. And then at some point when they had it all together, then they would move out to Los Angeles. You know, I, I a question. You know, w- w- Jim, with you and Bill working uh, at Radio Works, uh, doing so many great things for so many years as well. Did you did you reach out to Paul? Is that how you guys got together? Yeah, as a matter of fact, that's exactly how we got together. We uh, were looking for talent, and especially because our shtick was funny radio commercials. Once yeah. in a while, we succeeded. Um, is we wanted to have funny actors. And uh, we found our funny actors uh, by going to comedy clubs. Uh, Specifically, we went to Paul's comedy club a few times and found several uh, good actors and actresses there. Uh, But we also checked out the talent agencies uh, during that time. And uh, we actually met uh, Paul through Sherry Young Talent Agency. Uh, Ah. And so I've known Paul almost as long as I've been here. And we started using Paul as soon as we could afford him. And <laughs> okay, and, and I, the key. I generally have a policy of having friends pay for my time, and that was <laughs> kind of the basis of our friendship. Our friendship was yeah. uh, monetary based. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other story, and that sounds illegal to me. But that's all. No, I don't no, know no, I, no. It's perfectly above. No. Board. Okay, no, this is good. That's one of the keys. One of the things that you said, uh, 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 this is something that that you said in an interview um, in our Wayback Machine. Right from the start, we made a statement to ourselves that we were not going to become a national company, but we were a national company. We just put it out there. Right. And I think that was, you know, that was the thing. I I love touching on Radio Works and all of the things. And if you could see the background with, with Jim and Paul here, there is a bookshelf laden with so many doggone awards, uh, American Advertising Association awards, and so many other things, including a lava lamp, which is pretty cool. That's the um, award. Yep. <laughs> it is an award, too? Oh, yeah. Oh, it was. Okay. Yeah, flashback to the <laughs> Shoot, I, reward, actually. I, I, ha- I had to pay 25 bucks for mine, but that's okay. Um, How do we but, lose but you? What you guys did? What you guys did is you positioned yourself from a national standpoint and henceforth what happened is you start with a creative you start with the writing you do you do what's necessary to get into the production process and then you've got clients who believe in what you do and they say yeah i want some of this good stuff and you you seem to to uh to rinse and repeat that over and over and over and over in addition to paul and his incredible talents as well you also reached out to los angeles for uh, established actors, and you use those people too. And Jim, I have to tell you, that's one of the things uh, that uh, you, know, you were an inspiration for for all of us here. You know, Bruce and I here at Radio Lounge. You always did a little bit better than everybody else. Mm, and was that so was kind. I jealous? Maybe a little bit, but maybe not, because that was that when you raise the bar on stuff like that, you create a better market. So you were really so proficient in that. So um, that's what I'm thinking. You were going to say something, Chip. I was saying you were so kind to say all of those wonderful things. And, you know, there's something about um, working uh, with talent in Hollywood. 
that uh, did raise the bar for us because uh, it did cost more to hire those folks, even more than Paul on occasion. <laughs> um, but we felt that it we we were writing. Uh, we felt at a level that deserved that kind of talent. And we were very yeah. fortunate because it was it was quite early on that we attracted the t- the attention of Dick Orkin. Yeah. And uh, for those of your listeners who remember Dick. Who Chicken man. Passed, he has passed away, sadly. But um, we, we t- caught his attention very early on and uh, became kind of, uh, oh, well enough connected that he introduced us to a um, few uh, Hollywood talent agents and especially to um, the Outlaw Sound, which was in the back driveway of Dick's radio ranch um, and his own uh, production studio, Alan Roth's Outlaw Sound. Uh, so we did all of our production there, right behind Dick Orkin's radio ranch. Uh, wow. And it was a, it was a great asset uh, to be able to say, oh yeah, we know Dick Orkin, so you can trust us yeah. with, if we're going to hire your your uh, high powered talent. Yeah, great. You asset. had the Dick Orkin seal of approval. Yeah. on your uh, yeah exactly on your brand. Yeah, was cool. But I but really beyond Orkin, you, you built it yourself. You built it yourself. You, you and Bill and Paul, you, you built this. You built the uh, the, uh, the brand very well and established it and kept it going for so so many years and uh, you know radio works is not ever going to go away radio works is is uh, is something that will live on uh, forever you you've been doing this is up to episode 67 you guys must be really tired the old dogs <laughs> podcast uh, so you know we, we take it, naps right <laughs> oh helps. you do oh yeah oh in between segments that's just a good <laughs> you thing know yeah. It, yeah yeah you know like the, the, the latest ones um, the old if you've never heard this podcast before, I really encourage you to go uh, sample it and go find it and and subscribe to it because it really is funny. This is this is a taste of radio works in the 21st century is what I'm thinking. The old dogs ramble about clothing. Who needs it? I love it. Another edition of ads and fads. China's uncooperative teens. <laughs> I'm going, that's a place to go. Technology that turns brainwaves into words. That's called AI. Uh-oh. Willard Scott, my God, 87. Man, he lived a long life. Did you know that Willard Scott, wasn't he like Clarabelle the Clown or something a long time ago? Uh, he was one of the original Ronald McDonald's. Oh, that's right. Ronald McDonald's. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the <laughs> Meyer, he carried the that, Meyer, that technique into his uh, TV work, actually. And, and, it, and it worked for so many years. He was so good at that. Hmm. The Myers-Briggs personality test. I don't know that I want at my age a personality test. Uh, 80% of seniors are vaccinated, but that's not enough. Uh, So you're carrying that banner as well. That is episode 67. But 67 of these things, how often do these things come out? Uh, How often do the Old Dogs podcast come out, guys? Uh, Every two weeks. We have been pretty faithful about uh, producing one every two weeks. Good for you. Good for you. And it's got to be a lot of fun for you because you can carry uh, your love of uh, our industry, your love of communications and and keeping that smile going. I see the podcast as a smile uh, because I think we all need one of those things right about now. And I I think that's nice to be able to have, you know, the crime podcasts are hot and all that kind of good stuff. And Joe Rogan's hot and such. But there are 
not that many out there that can really make you smile and feel good about uh, every day as we move forward uh, through the COVID stuff. Yeah. One of the things, one of the things you have on there is um, uh, the, you have a handy dandy reference guide <laughs> for wasting time on the internet. It takes you everywhere from the Mayo Clinic to the seniors guide to computers, which is kind of an oxymoron if you ask me uh, how many seniors don't get the internet, but that's not a problemo. Let's let's waste some time right now talking about your handy dandy reference guide. You will find that as part of the uh, social media promotion of the podcast. What's that all about, and how'd you come up with so many great places to to go for people to go? I'm not sure I understand the question. The uh, you have some websites. You have some favorite websites. Oh yeah, that, we do. Uh, yes, on our yes. website we offer up a list of. Uh, websites that we think would be uh, interesting to people in our age group. Paul is a tremendous researcher. He's the one that not only came up with all those websites, but is responsible for digging up those, what he calls pod nuggets for our, <laughs> our episodes. And uh, Paul does the research to come up with that sort of information because he thinks it's going to be interesting and in some cases fun, uh, mm -hmm. hopefully weird, as much as possible and uh, certainly useful. And the reference guide, I think, is designed to be as useful as possible, <laughs> as, as can be. Yes, I think absolutely. I think great. Uh, and as Betty White says, it's a tremendous, wonderful waste of time. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, Paul, I've got a question for you. Comedy in Houston. Uh, what worked? What didn't work? And it's okay to name some names. Give me some dirt, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you mentioned Sam Kinison. I, I had to bounce him from the club a couple of times because he would uh, he loved to abuse people in the audience. Uh, we didn't we didn't have a lot of rules, uh, and probably the big one is be original. Whatever you're doing, do not steal material from a better known comic. Um. But other than that, we gave them a lot of latitude, except do not break the furniture and do not <laughs> abuse customers. Pretty simple rules. Keep really. your hands out of the till. <laughs> and uh, and still people found interesting, creative ways to abuse those simple rules. Um, mm -hmm. It was, you know, it's kind of interesting in, in a club like that, and there are others around the country, or there were others, um, the comics police themselves. You know, if you go up there and try to steal somebody's material, they catch it, and they and they hold you accountable for that. So there was, um, I guess, kind of a posse of the more experienced comics that uh, kept. Uh, they put an armor on the shoulder of a young comic and say, you know, uh, yeah, you really shouldn't do uh, uh, Richard Pryor <laughs> and call it your own. Uh, uh -huh. so that, 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 that kind of an atmosphere created a group of very original comics that were able to, uh, sell their wares in Los Angeles. Wow. A great, a great stepping stone. And obviously you were a very important aspect, uh, with your club. Uh, and I'm sure said, my job was to be the adult, <laughs> 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 and, and, and that wasn't always fun. Yeah, yeah, like like the like the like the dad, huh? Like, shut up, sit down. Yeah, simple things like, I'm, I'm sorry, did you put a chair through the wall last night? Uh, no, maybe you should take a week again. off. 
Or yeah. no, well, that, I, I can't. I can't advance you money for work you haven't done in the future. Uh, you know those kind of simple issues. Well, that that sounds a lot to me like being a parent. Um, so, oh yeah, uh, that's that's very applicable uh, as well. And I can relate to chairs and walls and um, other things like that. You know, Jim, great advertising, great radio advertising is still happening out there. It's not happening all on the radio anymore. It's happening on social media and such. Matter of fact, you and yeah. Bill and I got together with Bruce uh, several years ago to talk about that. But, you know, it, it didn't go away. It's never going to go away. Incredible stuff still happens. Jim, what are your thoughts for those creatives and producers out there to keep it coming? What's what's a couple of nuggets that you can pass along for folks? Well, that's a really good question, Ray, and a, a good lead into it because you're right. Uh, really good creative radio advertising is happening less and less frequently these days, but where it is happening, it seems mostly is on the internet uh, with um, uh, venues like um, Spotify, for example, uh, and Pandora. Uh, you're going to find that there's an opportunity for even local advertisers to get uh, into a situation where people uh, are listening, people of all ages are starting to listen to radio on the internet. And uh, th these venues are offering uh, localized advertising. One of the things that I have been working on with my communications company lately is the idea of creating radio campaigns specifically for uh, Spotify because they can locate listeners by zip code. So you're paying only for zip code. If you are a local advertiser that draws most of your um, clientele from a particular part of town, you don't have to pay a broadcast fee to reach, you know, a hundred mile radius or whatever. You can reach people within a certain zip code or set of zip codes. So that's one thing that I think is important to realize. But I imagine that what you're asking for is more specifically maybe creative um, mm -hmm. uh, creative uh, advice for people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Well, one of the things to note is that there's basically we cut our teeth on 60 second commercials. Okay. So our goal was to tell a story and we could tell a story. We could have a premise that could um, uh, start somewhere and end somewhere with a lot of fun in between and communicate a specific sales message in the space of 60 seconds. Um, that doesn't happen anymore, but it is still possible to buy 30-second commercials, especially on Spotify and uh, venues like that. So I believe that you can still tell a story, and I believe that you should. I think that everything that people want to listen to is story-based. Uh, whether it is a long story or a short story, uh, it is something that uh, has to happen because that's what people relate to. They want to hear what has happened uh, that has some kind of point of departure that can be fun and hopefully funny and also communicate a point. So what we tried to do in that regard is find a way First, to connect to the listener, 
and then to connect to the advertiser. Unfortunately, many advertisers think if you've got to ha- if you're going to get their attention, you've got to hammer them with the name of the advertiser and perhaps all of the wonderful things that the advertiser has to offer. But the thing is that you've got to have a context for that. And the context is the story that relates to the listener. So, for example, uh, if you are uh, talking about, um, uh, oh, let me give an example here. Uh, (laughs) One of our great early advertising clients was Jiffy Lube. And uh, mm-hmm. we served them for six or seven years, and we used a campaign format because it's nice to repeat something so that people can anticipate, oh, boy, what's going to happen next? Uh, we had a guy called Frank Fescue uh, who had a, a, a fake radio program called The Lube Show. And this was Ken Polk, by the way, uh, mm-hmm. who was another guy who was associated with Paul and with Radio Music Theater. Um, Frank Fescue and The Lube Show – and his uh, program was all about tips for how you could take care of your car. Well, he was prohibited by the station from mentioning product names or advertiser or, or service names. So uh, he said everything under his breath. So if they would say, where's a good place that I could take to get my car service? And he would say, well, Jiffy Lube, I can't say pr- particular names about uh, where you can go, Jiffy Lube. But if you want my advice, Jiffy Lube, you need a place that's open, you know, long hours during the day, Jiffy Lube, and so on. Okay. Uh, that that went on for years, and people just kept yeah. on waiting for the next one. Why? Because it has a context, and it's a story. Yeah. It's a mini story, but it's still something that people can grab onto. Uh, I would say that th- that's the most important thing, that if you're going to be funny, and you're going to tell something that the listener will remember on behalf of the advertiser, I think that's the way to do it. That's what a great summation. Uh, great advertising is not one and done. Great advertising is chapter after chapter after chapter that keeps you engaged and wondering what's next. And of course, radio works. That would be a great uh, uh, branding statement uh, uh, for you guys as well, Jim and Paul. You know, you have so many awards on your shelves as we talked about. And uh, you can, you, I can tell that being acknowledged is a good thing. It's a part, and it's an important part of the journey. You've got your your peers, your people in the biz that uh, tell you how great you are, because we all need to hear that uh, every now and then. But Jim, talk about your first uh, Addy Award, and and maybe um, uh, one or two of the ones along the way that you said, yeah, yeah, I, I this is for me. I got this. What, how did that feel to get to get those awards from the American Advertising Federation? Oh, boy. Well, it was a tremendous uh, validation of what we were trying to accomplish. And I have to tell you, this is another funny story. Our first Addy Award was actually a certificate. And the certificate was for um, a commercial uh, that we did for, um, I I want to try and get this right. It was not a commercial. It was a, a PSA. Uh, that we Mm -hmm. did for um, uh, MD Anderson Hospital. And I won't go into the details of it, but it was a PSA. We got a certificate for it, uh, which is, you know, the the base award that you can get, you know, from the Ad Federation. Uh, At that time, but this was back in 1989, you could submit even certificate awards to regional uh, competition. And then if they won at the region, they could go on to national competition. Uh, Our first award uh, 
was uh, a national award, a national Addy Award for that PSA. Wow. Yeah. So wow. that was kind of weird, uh, right? Yeah. Uh, so it went from the base award at the local level to a national Addy. Uh, so that was pretty um, wonderful. I think that we have won uh, awards for um, campaigns that we have done over the years that really justified our taking a risk, uh, for example, with Administaff when they first started off. Um, mm, we were yeah. not too far behind. Their first, um, uh, the, the year that they first opened, I think, as a company was in 1987, and we started advertising for them in 89. And um, we helped them grow to be a national force. Now they're called um, Insperity, uh, for yes. those who know what they are uh, these days. But uh, we did over 150 commercials for them, all with the same campaign, all featuring Kay Henderson and uh, and uh, Fred, uh, yeah. and uh, the I think although we won awards for that, I think that the the great value to us was in how successful they became, uh, and how universally they were known because of the advertising. Uh, and then one more that I think is worth mentioning, and and that would be Jimmy John's. Uh, when we began with Jimmy in 1995. He was on college campuses in a few Midwestern towns with his Jimmy John sandwich shops. And uh, he was able to expand over the years to where he became, you know, super national, international, all again with the same campaign we called Fast Ed. It was all based on people who talk fast because they delivered fast. Uh, I'm mm -hmm. sure that most of your listeners have heard at least some of the, the commercials in that campaign. Again, we Absolutely. won awards for it. Our biggest reward, though, was in seeing a company like that just explode. Uh, and we helped. Yeah, well, that's an understatement. But thank you for sharing those things. And there's so much more to Radio Works and what, the, what these guys have done over the years as well. Jim, you're also very much a part of the American Advertising Federation for so many years. Of course, we'd help produce the events at the Junior League. And and who would always be up front sitting at the table, taking in the stuff and just being a part of everything like that? You've got a love for this industry uh, uh, that is is real deep and everything. And, and for so many years, you were uh, a, a big part of American Advertising Federation. What, what uh, you know, those days, what did the American Advertising Federation mean to you? Well, it was, uh, I think you used the term... Did you say brotherhood or something like that or fraternity? Fraternity, fraternity. yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I felt. Of course, it was a lot of, of uh, wonderful women as well, men and women, that I felt like, well, you know, we kind of belong, don't we? Uh, yeah. And so when and I, we would get together once a month in person uh, at the Junior League and um, enjoy a, a, a very good lunch and usually a, a pretty interesting speaker. And uh, mm. the guy in the back of the room was always doing this fantastic job of recording. Oh, wait, that was you. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> uh, me and Tracy. Yeah, we, we do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah Tracy. We, we uh, had a wonderful opportunity to schmooze with people before things started, get to mm -hmm. meet people, uh, and um, expand our uh, knowledge of the business expand our relationships with people who were in the business 
uh, and we had some wonderful relationships with people that way. And I also, uh, you had mentioned that I play the bass. I also started my professional music career because I happened to sit at a table once with a woman named Meredith Badro, uh, who now goes by Meredith Melville. And uh, she happened to mention that uh, her husband played the guitar. And uh, we got together and started playing. And I happened to mention that I was playing sort of in the living room with a few friends. And he introduced me to my first professional gig. Uh, and wow. later on, Stefan Badro and I played many gigs together, uh, especially yeah. at Mazroff's on Post Oak Lane. Uh, so that was a side effect of belonging to the ad club that had nothing to do with advertising. Yeah. Yeah. And you've done so well. You're also, you know, there are so many different aspects of, of you, Jim. You're also a well-known voice coach, in, including a voice actor, in, in addition to being a voice actor. Um, and, and, and basically, you guys, you guys have done it all. Been there, done that, got the T-shirt. But are there some things, and I'll ask this of Paul, that you'd still like to do and tell me you want to go into space with William Shatner. That's fine. You can do that. <laughs> you know, but, uh, I do not want to go share a spaceship with William Shatner, but um, <laughs> you, you know what? I, I don't know if I have any long-term goals. I, I really have been enjoying tremendously creating this podcast with Jim. And this, to me, has been very fulfilling. And, uh, you know, it's called on our creative abilities, our voice talents, our writing talents. Um, it's, been, it's been a great ride. So this is a – what about you, Jim? Uh, any any uh, aspirations for above and beyond your, uh, your, your busy schedule now? Well, Ray, one thing I would love to do, but I don't think it's in the cards, is dance for the Houston Ballet. Uh, I think that <laughs> ship has sailed. Uh, okay. Other well, than you that, can't. You hard to find tights uh, that fit, or, or what's the what's the problem? It's hard to get up after you plie. Is what the problem is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Paul, for finishing that that thought. Yeah, uh, for and good. the picture is frightening, isn't it? <laughs> if you've never seen Jim in a tutu, don't. I, I don't know. I don't want to go there. Uh, no. And that you you guys don't have video on your podcast, uh, probably because you you're wearing tutus when you do it. I don't know. I don't want it doesn't matter. But you know, the old dogs podcast is such a great perpetuation of of the brand of the Paul of the Jim of the Bill of the Radio Works. And I got to tell you a funny story. There was one year that Bruce and I won an Addy Award. And uh, the Houston Business Journal uh, swiftly credited instead of Radio Lounge. They said, "Well, congratulations to Radio Works oh, for no. winning that Addy Award." It's like, it's like, no, no, <laughs> no. That was our award. That wasn't there. They won a whole bunch of awards. This is ours, okay? Oh, I would. Uh, they never did correct that, by the way. So I'm correcting that now for the record. How, uh, how to find? Uh, how do folks find out about the Old Dogs Podcast, guys? Where should they go? Well, we're listed on all the major directories, Spotify, uh, Apple, uh, and our, our, we usually direct people to our website because from our website, you can access all previous episodes. And that is www.olddogspodcast.com. Come on down. 
All righty. Get one or get one or two or get them all. You can go back and listen to the old, uh, the older ones as well. We're up to 67 now. Ray, uh, there is phenomenal. one more thing that I'd, I'd like to say about the uh, podcast, and that is um, that perhaps the most important part of the podcast, in our opinion, is the conversation that we have, like the one that you're having mm -hmm. with us now. It's a part of every podcast. It's only 12 minutes long, but we try to pack in that 12 minutes, the essence of who we are talking to. And these have been people from all over the country who have something going on in their lives at this point mm -hmm. in their lives when lots of people are retiring. And uh, in many cases, just sort of kicking back and realizing, oh, my God, I feel like there's nothing going on. I don't know what to do next. Folks that we talk to will give them inspiration because they are up to something. They're doing something that they love. It's giving them energy and purpose and a future. Uh, we have talked mm -hmm. to, as you can imagine, 67 people so far, and we have more on the way. And each one of them has their own story to tell. And it's fascinating. These folks are fascinating. Men and women from all walks of life who are perhaps walking in the same path or have tried something totally different and are enjoying the hell out of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the great thing is, is what you're doing is it, it's it's incredibly well produced as well. That's some, you know, sometimes those podcasts are out there and not, they're not exactly as good as they should be from a technical standpoint. What you guys do is you're really producing you're, you're, you're producing a, a, a story, uh, something that people can embrace and listen to and enjoy uh, in a very nice way. So congratulations on both of you. I'm so happy that you're still doing that. Please don't stop. Um, you can take a vacation every two weeks a year, but uh, don't stop the podcast if you don't mind. Okay, guys? <laughs> sure. Uh, well, we, we don't, Paul do Okay. Paul Menzel, Jim Conlon for the Old Dogs podcast. Man, good stuff. Thank you for, uh, both of you, thank you for contributing to our industry for so many years. And what you're still doing is the same thing. You're contributing great to the people who we work with and represent uh, the advertising industry. So well done, guys. And the and, uh, story's not over. Believe me, the story's well not over. So thanks for being here today. That Speaks Houston, the Addy Award-winning podcast is uh, created and produced by Radio Lounge for the American Advertising Federation, Houston chapter. Find out more at aaf-houston.net. I do not know why we have a dash in there. That's the way it goes. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. You never miss a new podcast. Your rating on iTunes will help us grow, and we'll love that. And don't be afraid to share what you've heard today on social media. I also invite you to meet the people that represent District 10 of the American Advertising Federation. Check out Ad Tension, the podcast for District 10. Until next time, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Ad Speaks Houston, copyright 2021. My name is Ray Shillings. <laughs>